Get Smart, where we strive to keep you healthy and pain-free. Thank you for joining us today. Um, so today I have uh, a great guest, and what we're going to be talking about is his presentation at the upcoming San Diego Pain Summit, which takes place in, you guessed it, San Diego from February 20th to the 22nd. And... Uh, the conference, you can find out more information. You can sign up and register for the conference at www.sandiegopainsummit.com. You can register two ways. You can actually go out to San Diego to sit in the audience and take it all in live, or you can look, you can view it live stream from your computer, which is another great way to be able to get all of these great speakers into your home if you can't make it out to San Diego. Um, some other quick info on this. The conference has been approved for CEUs for physical therapists, athletic trainers, massage therapists, and NSCA personal trainers. So if, you're, if you need CEUs, you want to hear some great speakers, talk about uh, the latest and greatest in pain research, then definitely go to sandiegopainsummit.com. Okay, that being said, today's guest, I'm very happy to have on the show, he's been on before, is Dr. Jason Silvernail. At the conference, uh, what we're going to do today is give you a little taste of what he's going to be talking about at the conference. So his conference topic is Crossing the Chasm, Integrating Pain Science into Your Process in the Clinic or Gym, and How to Change Your Explanation and Reasoning While Keeping Your Tools and Techniques. So, Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. And for those of people who are, listen to the show, you already know who Jason is. For those who do not, Jason, why don't you give everyone a, a quick little tidbit of who you are and where you come from. Hey, Karen. Thanks so much for having me back. Uh, I, you know, I'm Jason Silverdale. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. Um, I have a doctor of science degree from Baylor University. I am board certified in orthopedic physical therapy. Fellowship trained in manual physical therapy, certified strength and conditioning specialist, and I'm currently on active duty in the U.S. Army, and I've been that way for many, many years now, <laughs> uh, holding the rank of lieutenant colonel at the moment. Uh, and because I'm in the Army, every time I, I give a talk like this, i got to kind of throw my little disclaimer in there, so let's do that real quick. So the views expressed by me here are my personal opinions and do not represent the official policy or position of the United States Army, the Department of Defense, or the United States government. Gotta love those disclaimers. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time out, coming on to the podcast today, and giving the listeners a little taste of what they can expect in greater detail at the San Diego Pain Summit. So, you know, before we started the, the podcast, Jason and I were kind of talking, and he said, you know, on social media, he's kind of known as that guy about crossing the chasm. So, if you wouldn't mind giving people who, who really don't know exactly what that means a little explain a quick kind of explanation of what you're talking about, what this chasm is. Yeah, great. Thanks. Um, I think, first of all, there's a little bit of a blurb of me on YouTube talking about crossing the chasm. I was at one of Barrett Dorco's seminars, and, and Will Stewart filmed me for a couple minutes, kind of taking people through that when Barrett asked me to talk about it briefly. Um, I'm not sure where the concept of chasm came from originally. Uh, you know, every time I'm in one of these situations, when I can, I blame Barrett Dorco. Fair enough. I think that it was the idea was that over here on one side of, of this this chasm, we've got 
where we are now, the things we understand now, how we understand how the body functions, you know, whether you're in performance, if you're a trainer or a strength coach, or whether you're in medicine, like a, you know, a physical therapist or physician or something like that. You know, we've got these ideas about how the body works, about the way that we were trained. And then on the other side of that chasm, we've got where we would like to be. We've got where the, what we call the neurobiological revolution would take us. You know, as more and more research comes out about uh, pain science, motor control, uh, and all that kind of related topics, we're understanding that a lot of the stuff that we used to teach students and that we all learned in school may not be true. And that puts us in a little bit of an awkward situation. We've now kind of have to cross a gulf between where, where our understanding is now and where it needs to be to match up with the science. And that's not always an easy thing to get across something like that. So, you know, I use the term crossing the chasm to describe it. And, you know, it seems to me that that could be very uncomfortable for people um, who have been trained in you know, let's say X, Y, and Z for the past 20 years, 10 years, five years, even what you learned at school is kind of maybe not matching up with the current uh, pain science and, and kind of where that's the direction in which that's going. So how do you talk to people to get them to open their minds a little bit more? And and I would imagine maybe for some people it's it's closed and that's it. But yeah. Yeah, I've right? run into a few of those folks too. Yeah, so so how do you get how do you get people to open to that without being snarky? I don't know. Is that a good word to use? Snarky. Uh, that's, that's a good word to use. And you know, honestly, it's I've, I've probably been snarky my, more than my fair share of times too. Um, but I think in order to get anyone to listen to you, whether it's, whether it's a colleague or a social media contact, a friend, you know, a patient, a client. You, they really have to be moving towards you to hear what you have to say. So, I mean, I think if you if you just kind of lay information on them or talk at them at the beginning of the conversation, that's certainly not going to go well. Mm-hmm. When I originally thought about the chasm, I thought about sort of like a fissure in the ground, right? It's really deep, but it's really narrow. And at that point, I thought, well, we just need a bridge to cross it. And what's the what's the most logical bridge? Well, I'll just give you information. Oh, here, um, you're wrong about this. So let me give you this information, and you can mm-hmm. use it as a bridge to cross this chasm. Mm-hmm. And so this concept that people are just lacking in information in order to make the right decision, and you know, some people call that the information deficit hypothesis of, mm-hmm. uh, of communication. And uh, wow, boy, is that wrong. <laughs> because uh, I didn't have too much luck telling people they were wrong and what, what the latest science was. And is that, I mean, because, you know, I... I sort of see these conversations happen. I don't really take part in them, um, but I see them happen on on social media, which, you know, more so Facebook than Twitter. Twitter is hard to have debates and, and things like that on because you only have 140 characters. But <clears throat> sometimes, like, I, <clears throat> I see these sort of lengthy 175 comment things and you start to read through them. And let's say I'm someone who's trying to cross that chasm. I look at that and I'm bored after like 20. After people yeah. kind of make their points, I'm bored. Yeah. So how do you reach, let's say I was one of those people who are like, you know, I kind of see where he's coming from. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm, I'm reading the new information that's coming out of research into pain science and into motor control and movement. But... 
I can't get past all of these back and forth uh, conversations that I'm seeing. And, and it makes me think, oh, forget it. I'll just, I don't care. So how yeah. do you reach? Because I think that's a critical mass of people. I think there are more people in, in that bubble than there are people who are outright, I think Jason Silvernail's an idiot. I think he's stupid. I don't get what he's doing. I don't care. Or the people who are like, yes, we're with you right on. And then you've got this whole group in the middle that I think is the group that you really want to target and meet. But they're the people who are like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with these people. Well, so I think those, are, the, those people in the middle are, are the ones I think that are, are least likely to actively participate in those discussions. Mm -hmm. And ironically, they're the people that I'm most interested in talking to. And so I think there's a couple different ways you can approach having some of these debates on social media. And I, at one time, I thought these were, these were a big waste of time. And you'll sometimes see people talk about that. Oh, you know, arguing about things is a waste of time. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I mean, the years I've spent on social media discussing things have been a tremendous help for me in learning new information, in meeting people who who think very hard about important things and have good things to say that are helpful to me and to my process, help me form arguments, defend my position, find new sources of evidence. That social media piece has been as important as a lot of my formal education has mm -hmm. been. So when I'm in some of these discussions with folks on social media, like I think number one, I try not to be a jerk because that's, that's definitely going to turn some, some folks off. Mm -hmm. When I'm writing those responses, I think to myself, I'm not going to write to the person that I'm having a discussion with. I'm going to write for the person who's reading along and not mm -hmm. participating. Mm -hmm. Some of those times, sometimes we call these people in social media uh, experts will sometimes call those folks lurkers. Right. And the lurkers are the people that I think I'm most interested in trying to reach. So when I'm, when I'm writing like that, I think, okay, I'm someone who's reading, who's reading along, who's trying to follow this, and I'm looking for someone who will be, in, in, I guess in a word, reasonable, <laughs> mm -hmm. who, will, who will find kind of a, um, a middle way, who have a polite way of interacting with other people, who will be respectful of others, who will appear to be thinking carefully about what it is they say. And that's, that's, the, kind of, um, that's the kind of approach I'm trying to use to reach people who are reading along rather than actively participating. Now, I mean, that, that's the goal. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you can find examples where I haven't always kept to that, but that's certainly, uh, that's certainly what I try to go for. I think that's the sort of comment when people read it enough from the same person, mm -hmm. then they start to get interested. Then they're moving toward you. Then I get a PM, hey, a private message. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I've never talked to you before, but you said this thing over here that really made sense to me, and where can I learn more about that? You know, that I get that kind of PM and that kind of email a lot more often than I thought I would from people I've never heard of, but people who are interested enough in these debates and interested enough in the way that I'm conveying my ideas to ask for more information. And that's really what we're all there to do is to help us, help us all move forward. And what do you think, and in your experience, what has been the hardest concept for people to get on board with? What is the hardest concept for, for therapists, trainers, whatever, whatever, to, to get on board with to take that step across? Well, I, that's a good question. I, I think that um, 
for me, it's a little bit about how well you know the science. So if I like if I if I think that the chasm used to be this fissure that you needed a bridge for, I think I'm starting to see it in a new way. I'm starting to see that it's not so much a hole in the ground, but it's this vast expanse of mountains. Mm-hmm. It goes up, it goes down, there are valleys, all that kind of stuff. And so you don't just need a bridge, you almost need a navigation system. So, like, if I say the word term navigation system now, I'm sure people will pull their phones out or think about a GPS device they've got. And so they think, well, that's what I, that's really what I need. I need to be able to navigate this really complicated terrain and find my way the right way. And I think that the aspect of um, science that people are most, the struggle with the most is the idea that pain is a perception and not a sensation, is that a, a perception involves processing in, in brain areas and other places, whereas the sensation is just a, a straight piece of sensory information from the body, mm-hmm. kind of disconnecting, you know, some other pain science folks have called it the difference between nociception, which is danger messages from the body, and pain, which is that response that we're all used to. Those two mm-hmm. things are totally different. Um, you don't need one to have the other. You can have one without the other. Mm-hmm. And that that can be thorny, and people can get really people can get really confused about that and struggle with that as a concept. So I would say of all the things that, that I try to help people with in terms of understanding that and coming to grips with it, that's probably the thing that's the most challenging. That's interesting. For me, I think when I first started getting into all the pain science stuff, which was after seeing David Butler speak way many years ago, that was, for me, the easiest thing to get. Wow. That I got immediately. I'm like, got it. No problem. You know, and I'm a person who is living with chronic pain for, for, for many, many years and central sensitization, all that kind of stuff. Had it been there, done that. So for me as a, as a practitioner and as, as a patient, I guess, or as, as a, a person experiencing pain for many years, um, find, Feeling that it's a perception and not a sensation was for me the most life-altering thing I have ever heard. Because all of a sudden, it wasn't, I'm doing something to hurt myself. And for a patient to experience that, and as a therapist, to relay that to your patient is very freeing. Oh, yeah. And 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 very... Um, it's like a load literally lifted off your back, you Absolutely. know? And it's funny that the trouble I have is usually with colleagues and, and contacts. I never have trouble getting my patients to understand this. Yeah. No, me neither. It's only with colleagues and social media contacts that yeah. I struggle. <laughs> yeah, and, and I often wonder, like, why, as a PT, why would you not research it? Give it a try, you know, yeah. explain this to your patient because it is, it's really like, it's, it's an amazing feeling to know that you're not causing it. Right. Air quotes causing. Yeah. I, yeah if you can only see me, I'm doing air quotes right now. Um, but so you, one would think if you're a practitioner and you can make this kind of a change in your patient by just talking with them and explaining explaining pain to them, wouldn't this not be something you would want in your arsenal of techniques and methods? And, yeah, I, and, I, I would think. 
Yeah, like one would think. So, so how, what, what have you found to be the most effective way to get these difficult, and they are difficult concepts, you know, no question about it. It is Absolutely. very difficult to understand a mechanism behind pain, mainly because it's not fully recognized. Yep. You know, research is, is definitely moving in, in a great direction, but it, it's not like you can say with 100% certainty, this is why pain happens. Yep. So, you know, what sort of teaching techniques can, let's say, okay, let's take a scenario. You are the director of a PT clinic. What, what is a good teaching technique that you can use for your employees to help them to understand and recognize these difficult concepts? Well, I think it's similar to working with patients. I think there, it isn't just a question of conveying information. I mean, although I've had my fair share of, of patients who really enjoyed getting information from me just verbally and just felt a whole lot different just from hearing something, usually you have to connect it to something that's going on. And you have to make it uh, operant and, and useful and worthwhile uh, in practice. So I'll often use examples of patients. Sometimes I'll bring some patients in or we'll talk through a difficult patient case. Um, when, when I'm in a clinic and I'm in a supervisory role, as I often am, I, I'll, I'll usually bring people in periodically to go over difficult cases together as a group. And we'll talk about some of these things when we're all together. It's a little bit of a, of a lower threat situation when we're there as a group. Mm -hmm. So I think that we have to convey information. And then we have to show how that information is relevant and already consistent with what someone is aware of and knows. So if, when you can connect new information to something someone already knows in a way that's non-threatening for them, and when I say threatening, I mean it doesn't seem to really challenge a lot of their, um, their key bedrock principles. It's a, it's a little bit like politics. If you, if you have a different political opinion from someone and you want to get across their uh, the importance of an issue that, that they usually feel the opposite way from, if you have someone that they identify as from their political group talking about that issue, they're much more likely to, um, to, to, to view that um, to view that positively and to, to give it a, a fair hearing. It's the same kind of way. We really have got to connect that information with something people already know to be true and then demonstrate how it's connected to what we're doing in the clinic and how it's moving someone forward towards the goals that they've got. And, and when you kind of connect those three dots pretty closely together, uh, people tend to come along pretty well. And, you know, so that kind of leads me into the next thing I wanted to talk about is you know, part of your talk at the San Diego Pain Summit um, is so not just crossing the chasm and giving that great explanation, but how changing your explanation and reasoning while keeping your current methods. So I think when people hear pain science, they think, oh, so I'm not a manual therapist. I'm not going to do manual therapy anymore. I'm just going to talk away people's pain. That's this, These are the things that I see. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I've and, heard it a times. And I, yeah, and I always think, like, obviously the people saying that have never seen Lorimer Mosley, David Butler, Adrian Lowe, you know, three sort of key figures in, in pain science. They've never seen them speak. Right. Because never once has any one of those people, that when, and I've seen them in person several times, never once have they said, you don't need to use manual therapy anymore. This is it. Right. This is what we're going to be doing. They always preface by saying, of course, we're manual therapists. 
So yeah, we're going to do all. I think what we need to do is is kind of go back to something we talked about just a second ago. When I said you need to pro, you need to provide them information that's non-threatening, uh-huh. and, and when I use the term threatening, I mean threatening to something they believe in strongly. So if you if we don't if we're not careful in the way that we present some of these concepts, people will jump to a conclusion, a really simple conclusion about what it is that we're saying. And then kind of throw that back on us. Now, we're thinking that's known as a straw man argument. So we're, we're building up a little fake doll of an argument that's easy to defeat. You know, it's easy to set, set on fire and burn a straw man relative to a, to a real argument. So it, it, at that time, that's an indication to me that someone's feeling threatened. So mm-hmm. instead of kind of pushing forward and, you know, starting to name their logical fallacies and that kind of stuff, I've definitely seen that pattern on mm-hmm. social media. That's mm-hmm. not helpful at all. And, and can I just say... Sure. I don't think that people know what a straw man is. Yeah. Because people will often say, like, oh, that's just a straw man. And I'm like, what? Yeah. No. So I think it's also important to know your terminology and know what you're saying. Because people kind of will throw out the straw man thing over Mm -hmm. every single debate. Yeah, and it's 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 just not. So thank you for uh, defining what a straw man is. Yeah, that's that's important. You know what I think I'm going to end up doing is really take people through a very comprehensive system of a way to structure what they're doing and a way to structure their understanding of their of their own process mm-hmm. so that they can navigate all these issues. And I'm going to do it through three major points. And the second point is being able to apply critical thinking well, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but that's the that, that's really the direction that that we need to be um, headed towards. Those things. A lot of folks will will use those little critical thinking fallacies or little facts like that with a very basic understanding of them, and kind of just use them as a bat to hit somebody else. It's a little bit like. Um, like some people will throw a bunch of citations at you to try to support their point, but the citations are not really quality or they differ from the rest of the literature. So that means they're cherry picked. So they're only picking a few cherries that, that help mm-hmm. them. Um, or, and people will kind of go back and forth about, about this sort of stuff uh, during an argument. And it kind of reveals that they don't really understand the concepts that they're talking about very well. Mm-hmm. You know, A, they don't understand the literature they're discussing. And B, they don't really understand what some of these critical thinking terms mean. I think they're just sort of using them to try to get someone else to back down. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely not where we want to be if we're going to try to, to help people move forward. Sure. And, and I think, you know, getting some of these, these concepts of pain science, which are, are very relevant, proven science-based and evidence-based, um, I feel like if, if as, let's just say as physical therapists, if, if everybody's kind of on board and we all have a common, um, I don't want to say script because there's no such thing when you're talking about individuals, but at least a common underlying um, explanation and understanding of these concepts, wouldn't that sort of solidify our... Uh, profession, and, oh, kind sure of, and kind of get us to come together and as as one profession instead of this. Though they're the pain science people, or they're the musculoskeletal people, or they're the I don't know, I don't know, yeah. I don't know who else there is. Tribes, I think human. We're all sort of wired to 
to think in those sort of tribal terms. Mm-hmm. And this is my team and this is your team. And yeah. you know, anybody who criticizes my team, I'm going to attack and anyone, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's this mm-hmm. back and forth kind of flag waving partisanship for, for their particular school of thought. I mean, mm-hmm. I, that's certainly not limited to physical therapy. I mean, no, no, no. It's, it's, I think it's, it's across the board. I mean, just look at our government for God's sakes, you know, right. yeah, but look what happens when our government, it shuts down. Right. Right. So yeah. as a profession, um, I think we want to be able to kind of have this united front and say, hey, listen, we're experts on pain. We can help you. And this is how we do it. So instead of, like you said, um, maybe giving an outdated explanation of, you know, the, the, what I'm doing now, like this whatever manual therapy technique is working because I'm going to, and I'm using air quotes again, realign you versus, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying that, huh? Well, versus <laughs> versus <laughs> maybe versus maybe saying hey what what we're doing here is we're making you know a difference let's say in your sensory map you know or your you know we're we're decreasing your threat or we're making contact with your skin and we're you know there's there's so many other explanations that are more plausible than realigning Right. Well, I think what should be uniting us, and I think what should unite anyone in a given profession, is that there should be a common base of science. And mm-hmm. so, as I talk to people about how to build what is going to amount to a navigation system in their mind as to how to navigate this uncertainty of pain science, step one is you have to know the science. Yeah. You've got to know the basic science. And I'm, when I say basic science, I mean you've got to know anatomy, physiology, neuroscience, biomechanics. All those things are important to know. And you have to have an accurate understanding of what they are. You have to understand the published evidence. So there's basic science is like A, published evidence is like B, right? So key reviews and studies that apply to what you do. And you've also got to know the context. So comparable approaches other than what you do and and other things. So uh, as a musculoskeletal physical therapist, it's not enough for me to just know the physical therapy literature. If a young person comes to me has dislocated their shoulder and their shoulder is unstable, I'm not the best person for that that patient. they are going to be better served with a surgical solution if they're an active person because they are very likely to re-dislocate regardless of what I do in therapy. And, and knowing the context of that to other approaches is very, very important. I also see some people get, they get real wrapped around the axle with whatever's like under the microscope of what they're doing in front of them, and they, they just don't have a good idea to, to pick their head up and look around. So people will argue about things that to me just don't seem very important. So like dry needling is really important in the physical therapy profession right now. And so some people are like, you know, they're just, they want to needle everybody. And some people just think, oh, needling is like the worst thing ever. And it's horrible. And it's just going to destroy our profession. And, you know, you know, I look at that and that to me is a context free argument, right? So I, I don't do dry needling myself, but it is a low cost, low risk, very uh, low level of invasive treatment mm-hmm. that probably compares very favorable to other comparable treatments in physical medicine. Well, I mean, just take a couple minutes on, on PubMed or your favorite search engine and punch up the morbidity for non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs after a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Or look at the success rates of spinal fusion or elective orthopedic surgery. You're going to tell me that one of our colleagues a science-based, properly educated and trained medical practitioner by needling someone for a few visits along with exercise and activity and probably manual therapy too mm-hmm. is somehow worse than them 
being managed in a surgical pathway. Uh, I, just, I just don't get that. That's a context-free uh, discussion. So I think understanding the context of what we're talking about is pretty important, too. That helps put things in perspective, and we're all uh, very badly in need of having some good perspective when we enter these discussions. Sure, sure. sure. And, you know, when you're – so we have a couple minutes, a couple minutes left – um, um, this is usually, usually the podcast, like 40 to 15 minutes, but we're just doing a little snippet today so that people get an idea of what you're going to talk about. And they want to say, Hey, I want to hear more of what he wants to say. So then they're going to go to the San Diego pain summit website and they're going to go to San Diego or they're going to sign up for the online way. That means no travel, no extra expenses. You're just sitting at home watching all these great people speak. Um, so we have a couple of, we've got a couple of minutes. So what are, Jason, the key points of your talk? Let's say you just gave your talk. How would you wrap it up? What are the key points that you would want people to take away from it? I think the key points for, for, for my piece at the, at the summit is that pain science is very complicated and it should change a lot of what we do. It's very confusing. It's a very difficult topic to get your head around. I am going to lay out in my presentation a complete system to navigate all this uncertainty, a kind of a step-by-step way to understand the science, to apply a thinking process to what you do, to go back and revise the things that you're doing when evidence changes. I'm going to lay out a complete plan for people so that when they, they step out on Monday or the next day in clinic or the next day in the gym and they're confronted with that uncertainty, they have something they can hold on to that will help them navigate that uncertainty and find their way through that complicated chasm to where they need to be to help their clients and patients the best. Yeah, and and for those of you who signed up for the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Conference, which was two years ago, Jason did an excellent, so this is just my endorsement of his step-by-step process. He did an excellent step-by-step process on evaluating someone with neck pain chronic neck pain, um, which that person, that was me, um, it did such a great job that I think like it was being used in schools, in PT schools, to teach students on how to have a great step-by-step process of critical thinking when evaluating someone. So I'm the best I can to lay out a very similar yeah. approach. And I think it'll be a good way, because I'm, I'm leading off the conference right after Professor Mosley, uh, and I'm going to try to lay out for people how they can use some of the, these these concepts to navigate this uncertainty. So when they hear other speakers speak, they can take portions of that speaker's information and they can integrate with what I've talked to them about so they can see how it fits. Mm-hmm. And ideally, by the time we're all done, all the speakers are done, people who are in attendance especially will have a, a much better idea of how all this stuff fits together. And it in, instead of it being sort of disparate parts all over the place, they'll have a sense of how it all fits together in a unified whole, makes sense to them, allows them to keep doing what they're comfortable doing, and moves them forward towards providing the best care they can for their patients and the best service they can for their clients. Sounds like a plan to me. I think PTs, I don't know about most PTs, I think most PTs are pretty organized. I, I'm a person who always likes to show up with a plan and who always likes to have things laid out in front of me. It helps me with my evaluation process and my treatment process. Um, So I am definitely looking forward uh, to your talk and to getting that sort of pain GPS 
Yeah. Can that's, I say that? It's a build, absolutely. We're okay. going to build people a navigation system. We're going to build them a navigation system for the uncertainty of life in the clinic and in the gym and get them where they need to go. Awesome. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a great talk. I really look forward to it. And so thank you. I know this is like short and sweet today, um, but thank you so much for coming on and giving everyone a taste of, of what they're going to find at the clinic or I'm sorry, at the pain summit. Um, so thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me, Karen. I look forward to seeing everybody uh, there. And if, if you're not there and you end up per buying access to some of the video piece, you'll see my complete presentation, uh, hear my voice, and have access to all the supportive documents, references, uh, conceptual models, all the stuff that I'm going to talk about. It's going to be wrapped up in that package too. So people will have everything they need to, uh, to navigate that uncertainty and move forward. Yeah, and also... Um, just if you're thinking about if you can't make it to the event and you want to register online, you have to do it um, before February 19th because the link will not be available to purchase after February 19th. Um, so, and another thing, even if you are watching online, there is going to be a way for you to ask the presenters questions. So, there's going to be a nice interactive portion to that. So even if you if you can't make it to San Diego and you're sitting at home and you have a question for Jason during his uh, presentation, you can, I think they're going to have a way where you can email your question or tweet it or Facebook it or something so that after each presentation, there's going to be, I think maybe like 15 minutes or so of question time after each presentation. Yep. So you'll be able to ask a question kind of like you're there and get your question answered. So that's something else to think about. Um, cause a lot of times people think if they're watching online, they're so far removed. Um, but not for this cause you're going to be watching it live and you'll be able to ask questions and participate. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there for people if they were a little on the fence. And um, FYI, it's much cheaper to buy the video access. <laughs> just, so, just so people know, it's $199 if you get it before the 31st of this month and after it's $249. So, you know, I think for the amount of information you're getting, it's well worth it. So um, if you're on the fence, just do it. After listening to this uh, podcast, hopefully people will just do it, right? Absolutely. All right. So, yeah, networking, um, uh, networking event after the, the night of the first uh, speaker right. day as well. So, if you wanted to sit in a relaxed environment and have a cold adult beverage and talk over what you've heard or questions you've gotten for the speakers, mm -hmm. uh, we'll all be there. And so that that's your that's your chance to to talk to us in a in a, in a more uh, informal environment too. Relaxed, more relaxed. So. All right. So, thank you so much for for mentioning that, and everyone, thank you so much for listening. Um, we will see you next week. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.